Well, good morning again. Good. <laughs> Social distancing doesn't mean you can't say good morning. <laughs> good morning. All right, very good, and happy Father's Day. Uh, make sure to take the opportunity to say thanks to your dad, and maybe think also about those who have been like fathers to you. So my dad died when I was just very young, but I never lacked for father figures in this church family, and I am so thankful for each one of them and, and how God used them in my life. I also want to say congratulations um, to the happy married couple, Luke and Maddie, who were uh, married yesterday, Luke Johnson and Maddie Reeder. And it's so cool to see a couple, both of whom, they, they grew up in this church, and they are honoring God with their lives and with their wedding yesterday. Today's sermon is titled, Hungry for God's Voice. We hear a lot of voices nowadays, don't we? Sometimes I think social media is a blessing, and sometimes I think social media is a curse. Uh, one thing is true for sure, is that social media gives everyone a public platform to air their opinions. Politicians, pundits, pastors, patriots, anarchists, atheists, evangelists, and even Aunt Gertrude. They all have a voice on the public forum. They have an opinion to share on social media. And sometimes the sheer volume, the cacophony, the dissonance of all those voices becomes unbearable. Sometimes you just want to shut it all down and listen to the one voice that really matters, the voice of God. What would happen if we actually did that? What if, what if we actually had the courage, even if it were just for one day, what if we stop following our Facebook feed? What if we shut down Twitter? What if we deleted Snapchat? What if we muted mainstream media? What if we stopped listening to talk shows and podcasts? What if we unplugged um, our internet and our routers? What if we turned off our televisions and radios? What if we silenced all the voices? even just for one day, and quietly concentrated on the voice of God. What would happen? What's interesting is that this is recorded sometimes in Scripture to have actually happened. And one of those occasions is our text for today, which is Nehemiah chapter 8. I invite you to turn there to Nehemiah chapter 8. We're going to see what happened when God's people shut down, shut off, muted all the other voices and concentrated and listened attentively to the voice of their God. Actually, we're going to pick it up at the very last verse of chapter 7, kind of the very last sentence of chapter 7 and move right into chapter 8. When the seventh month came and the Israelites had settled in their towns, all the people came together as one in the square before the water gate they told Ezra, the teacher of the law, to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded for Israel. So the people come and say, hey, read to us the book of the law of Moses. What are they talking about? They're, they're talking about the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, the, 
the five books of Moses, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And if you were going to pick just one of them that they were going to read for sure, it would have been the book of Deuteronomy. So they say, hey, uh, read the book of the law to us. Verse 2, so on the first day of the seventh month, Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, which was made up of men and women and all who were able to understand, which is probably talking about children. Children were also involved, those who were old enough to be able to come and listen and understand. And Ezra read it, that's the book of the law, aloud from daybreak, so think, you know, six or seven in the morning, till noon. So that's like five or six straight hours as he faced the square before the water gate in the presence of the men and women and others who could understand. Now, the Jews are the original uh, people of the book. Uh, Ever since their founding as a nation, they had God's law that was the the self-revelation of God given to Moses on Mount Sinai. From the very beginning of their existence as a people, they had God's word. But tragically, they often didn't pay any attention to it. In fact, one time, they completely lost track of it for decades. Can you imagine that conversation? Hey, who's got the law? Did you have it last? No, I didn't have it last. Where'd you put it? I don't know. We we lost it. Well, it got found. When King Josiah renovated the temple, they found the law and they read it. But what we're seeing here is an occasion, unfortunately a rare occasion, where the people of the book actually stopped and paid attention. They hit pause and they listened to God's voice. So they call for it. You can see that there's a hunger. There's a hunger for God's word. Come, read us the word. We want the word. We need the word. The people of the book have a hunger for God's word. Do you know what's really good? A hot um, biscuit. Like from Bob Evans. A hot biscuit. Or... A, a piece of cornbread warm right out of the oven with some butter and a lot of honey on it. That is delicious. I love that. All right. Mmm, that is, that is delightful to the taste buds. But even more delicious and even, even more delightful than honey on our taste buds, the Bible says, is the word of God on our souls. Hey, we, we read it already uh, today. You can see there, uh, the decrees of the Lord are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. That's not the only time. Look in Psalm 119, we get this. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Taste and see that the Lord is good. We should hunger, our soul should hunger for the Lord because Uh, The Word of God nourishes our souls. When we neglect the Word of God, our souls shrivel and harden and start to die. They starve out of a need for the Word of the Lord. But when when we imbibe, when we consume the Word of the Lord, our souls are refreshed and revived and energized. Uh, I read a great story. I think I may have told it to you before. I'm going to tell it to you again. This is from Ravi Zacharias, one of the last uh, 50 years' greatest defenders of the faith who just died recently. But uh, he kind of began his career 
with a, a preaching trip in Vietnam in 1971. And you're thinking, whoa, that's right towards the beginning of the Vietnam War. And he did a tour in Vietnam preaching. And his interpreter, a young man named Hien, uh, was, was a lovely believer and a scholar and a student and spoke uh, uh, English and, and Vietnamese. And he went around with Ravi Zacharias and translated for him on this tour. Well, anyway, Ravi leaves. Vietnam War happens. Uh, loses track of this guy, and then years after the Vietnam War, Ravi gets a call on the phone, and right away he recognizes the voice. He knows who it is. It's this young man that had interpreted for him in Vietnam, and so uh, he can't wait to hear the story of this guy. Well, sure enough, um, as the Vietnam War started, Hien was, uh, well, actually in 1975, when the communists took over the whole country, Hien was taken prisoner and put in a re-education camp. And so from before the sun up till sundown, it was blaring Marxist, Leninist, you know, theology and philosophy and, you know, Ho Chi Minh and, and, and that, that all of that it was brainwashing, brainwashing and day after day. And, and he would try to recite verses and pray, but, not, but there never seemed to be any relief. And, and it started to wear him down and wear him down and wear him down and wear him down. And finally, he just said, I think I can't believe anymore. I'm, I'm just going to... Uh, give up. Tomorrow, no God, no Bible, no prayer, no nothing. I'm just going to capitulate to this. And that morning he goes out for roll call and they send him to latrine duty. He's got to clean the toilets. And so he's cleaning and at the end he has to empty out this trash can filled with um, toilet paper basically. But he, see, he sees a piece of paper with some writing on it. And so, you know, as a scholar, you know, words are like, wow, he, words. So he, he takes his paper, puts it in his uh, pocket, and then later when he's back in his cell, he, he, he looks at it, and look what it was. Evidently one of the officers was using an English Bible as toilet paper, and he, he looks at the words and he reads this from Romans chapter 8. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And all of a sudden, those words from God absolutely exploded uh, his heart and mind back into life and faith and hope. And uh, so then from then on, he volunteered every day for latrine duty. <laughs> and he was, he was able to collect a good portion of Romans and some parts of several other books. And, th and the Word of God, that's what helped him to survive the re-education camps. Eventually he was released and he uh, was able to get out of Vietnam and go to the United States. But when he didn't have the Word of God, his soul began to shrink and shrivel. But when he was able to consume uh, the words of God, there was life and hope and strength and courage. You know, you, you and I, we don't have to um, volunteer for latrine duty to get the Word of God. Fortunately, I mean, we have, we have incredible resources in our culture. I mean, there are dozens of uh, English translations of the Bible. There are dozens of study Bibles. There's like any, I mean, Christian book distributors actually, you know, puts out once or twice a year a whole magazine that's just Bibles. 
Okay, Bibles for women, Bibles for men, Bibles for teen, Bibles for children, Bibles for people who are struggling with addiction, Bibles uh, for journaling, Bibles for this, Bibles for that. It's, we even have apps on our phone that will read the Bible to you. All right, we, we have a glut of Bible resources, and yet sometimes we allow our souls to starve while there's a banquet of God's Word all around us. Why is that? Why do we sometimes have apathy and neglect and disinterest in the Word of God when we have it all around us? You know, maybe some of us have a, well, I've been there, done that kind of attitude towards the Bible. You know, I read it once. That's kind of like me saying, I don't have to exercise nowadays because I played soccer in college. Uh, You know, maybe uh, we're getting sucked into allowing entertainment uh, to fill every gap in our lives. You know, there are a thousand YouTube videos for, for whatever time you have available. And it's really easy to begin to just fill all the gaps in our lives with entertainment, with media, it's, you know, it's a lot easier to reach for the remote control than it is somehow to reach for the Bible. I mean, there are a lot of reasons why we can kind of have a disinterest and, and stop consuming the Word of God. There's busyness. Um, uh, there's just, uh, just the, the fact that our lives are so full and, and full of good things that sometimes we get deceived into thinking that we don't need it. But you know what's happening then is that we become... Um, functional materialists. You know, we are basically in this country functionally illiterate. We've been taught to read, but a lot of people just don't, right? We know how to read, we just don't. So even though we can read, we're functionally illiterate because we don't read. A lot of people, well, sometimes we become functional materialists. We believe in God, but we don't act on a daily basis like it's true because we basically neglect our souls, And because we don't consider our souls sometimes, we live as functional materialists or naturalists. Instead of taking into account the spiritual reality of our souls, we can sometimes neglect the Word of God, which is food and nourishment for our souls. I pray, I pray, I pray for myself and for all of us that this crazy time that we're in, where we hear so many voices shouting so many things at us and there's so much confusion that it would drive us back to the Word and make us hungry and thirsty for God's Word to hear what God says about who we are and what we're to do and how we're to live and where things are going. People of the book are hungry for the Word of God. And it's so encouraging to see the people under Nehemiah develop a hunger and a thirst for the Word of God. Remember, his concern for them wasn't just that the walls were broken down. It's that they weren't in a place where they could worship God as a community the way that, he, that God had called them to himself to do. And now we begin to see, oh, it could happen. It could happen. A thirst for the word of God, uh, bringing them together as a worshiping community that now could maybe begin to reflect the goodness of God. And, and maybe now they could rediscover their identity and recover their purpose as a display people for God in the world. But it has to begin with hungering for God's voice through his word. People of the book, um, they have a hunger for God's word. They also want to honor God's word. How do they do that? 
Verse 3, second part. <clears throat> and all the people listened attentively, attentively to the book of the law. Okay, they paid attention to it. They had much longer attention spans than we have, right? Okay, they were able to stand and listen for hours without screens. Amazing! That's almost like a superpower. But, but they were able to do it. Okay, they, they, they honored God's word by concentrating and paying it to actively listening to it. I noticed a few years ago that I had a bad habit. So I, I like to read, and I read mostly Christian um, nonfiction books, but I noticed what I was doing when I was reading. I was reading, and then whenever I came to a scripture quote, I'd jump past it to keep, because, you know, I'd already read the scripture, so I wanted to hear what the, the author was saying, and I thought, you know, it finally had dawned on me, wait, something's all wrong about this, you know. Sure, I should pay attention to what this author is saying, that's good, but what I really need to pay attention to is what God says through his word. And so I made that a mental habit. When I'm reading a Christian book and I come across a scripture quote, I don't jump it, I don't skip it. I pause and I read the scripture carefully because I want to honor God's word, pay attention to it. They did more than that. We see in verse uh, 4 that Ezra and some of the leaders of the people, you know, they, were, they had built a platform and they were up there on the platform and we read verse 5. Ezra opened the book. All the people could see him because he was standing above them and as he opened it, the people all stood up. Now you know why we gave you a little exercise this morning, right? We had, we had you keep standing up because uh, when, when Ezra read the scriptures, the people, because they honored uh, the book, they, they stood up. When we lived in Germany for 10 years, we visited lots of churches. Every time, every single church I visited in Germany, they always stood for the reading of scripture. It is a great tradition. <clears throat> You know, yesterday, uh, at this wedding, of course, we did what we traditionally do. We don't think that much about it, but when the bride comes down, we all stand up. Why do we do that? We stand up in order to honor the bride. And here they stood up in order to honor uh, God's word. Of course, it's not that they were worshiping the physical book, all right? I went to a Sikh temple once. That's kind of a, 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 a sect of India, and, and they, they have a book, but they believe their book is the, is the incarnation of their guru. And so they put it up there, and, and they worship the book. All right? Uh, we don't worship the actual book. We worship the fact that it's a revelation of God. It's, it's God's self-revelation. And so we honor it because we recognize that it is God's loving, true self-revelation of himself to us. It teaches us about God. That's not it. Uh, verse 6, Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and all the people lifted their hands and responded, Amen, Amen. All right, they raised their hands. And that's part of praise, but it's also uh, communicating dependence on God. We need you. We need your voice. Uh, speak to us. Fill us. We are dependent upon you. And then the Amen uh, means it's an affirmation of the truth of God. It's true. It's true. We can do this, all right? Everybody say amen. amen. All right. Now, if Jim Bauer were here, he would, have, you know, he would have been ahead of you on that one, okay? But it's possible, all right? It's true. And so they honored the word of God by um, acknowledging and affirming that it is true. Amen. It is true. It is God's word. And then finally, we see there, 
Uh, end of verse 6, then they bowed down and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Wow, they, they got their whole bodies involved. That's one way they were able to pay attention is they, you know, they were, amen. <laughs> you know, it kind of keeps, you, keeps your mind going there. So, uh, but, but really, these things are descriptive, not necessarily prescriptive. I'm not telling you that next week you'll have to come and raise your hands and say amen. Wouldn't hurt, but I'm not telling you. Okay, you got to do that. Because what's important, though, is the posture of our heart. It's not the posture of our bodies that's important. It's the posture of our heart. So how, how do we honor God's word? Well, it's important what our posture is towards this book. And most of our culture and society, this, they, look, they look down at the book and stand in judgment over it. Okay, I, I, here, here's what I believe about it. Here's what, I, here's what I think isn't good, or here's what's myth, and here's what's true, or here's what I like about it. I'm going to pick and choose. Or they, we, That's one posture, is to stand in judgment over it. That is not honoring the scriptures. Or, and this is a much better posture, is to recognize that we stand under it. We stand under God's word. God's word stands in judgment over us. And this is the posture that honors the word of God. We are under it. And I think if that's the posture of our heart, that's how we most honor uh, the word of God. And honor God, because it's his self-revelation. Um, there are other ways that we can honor God, and that's what we see uh, in the rest of this passage. Different ways that we can honor the Word of God. Look at this. Uh, we can work at understanding and applying God's Word in community. We read, starting in verse 7, the Levites, then you get a whole list of them, instructed the people in the law while the people were standing there, still standing. They read from the book of the law of God, making it clear. That word in Hebrew can also mean translated or interpreted, and giving the meaning so that the people understood what was being read. Now, what we have here is an, a classic example of expository teaching of the word. The priest uh, drew out and exposed the meaning of the text, and then they helped the people to understand it and to apply it. That's, that's expositional teaching. And they did it, evidently, I'm not sure how they broke up, but it seems like, you know, they went out among the people, and they formed groups, and they, they, or they talked to people, or, you know, if you have a question, raise your hand, and they went and talked and explained. I didn't understand that. Can you explain it to me? But they were, they were working uh, at trying to understand God's word. And you know what? This is awesome, and this is what we would love for every single person in our church family to be a part of, uh, is to be a part of groups that fellowship around the Word of God, and together, uh, dependent on the Spirit, they work at understanding the meaning and applying the Word to their lives. That, that's what adult Bible fellowships and life groups, and of course what we do here in a large group gathering, that's what we want to do as a church. It's absolutely uh, central to who we are. This past uh, Wednesday... We had a, a really incredibly sobering and inspiring conversation. And we, we talked with a group of people uh, who, are, who really have done this well. They have done the work of understanding and applying God's word to their lives. And so some of the 
pastoral uh, staff, we had a great conversation with a number of people in our congregation who are not white and not Caucasian. And uh, they, they talked freely about uh, some of the hurts, some of the wounds, some of the rejection, some of the pain that they have experienced. Um, in, in other parts of the world, uh, in our community, even at times in our own church. And yet what really stood out to me was uh, the way they had uh, done practical theology, and, and that is they had the, the Word of God became a framework for them to understand life. It, it became a source for rooting their identity and their purpose. It became a solace when they were wounded or hurt. It gave them perspective on life and the future and eternity and judgment. And I, I was just amazed. You know, one of them said, I, I, can't, I cannot, you know, put my hope and my trust and my faith and my joy in people, but I can in God and his word. And in about every other sentence, he spouted a verse. And, and I just saw how, how, how challenging his life situation has been and is, and yet how, how much hope he has because he has understood the word of God and applied it to his life. And as I sat there and listened, I just felt so humbled by the whole thing. These are people that I want to learn from because they've done the work of that. And all of us need to do the same thing, and that is, is learn to understand and apply God's word. Let's do that together. That's what we're called to. Let's, if you're not in a group, join a group that fellowships around the word of God, listening to his voice through God's word. That is true Christian fellowship that gives us uh, life and hope and energy uh, for the challenges that we all face. We're going to keep going here. How about another one? All right. How are, we, how do they honor, how are they honoring the word of God? Well, they're, they're working hard to understand it and apply it, but also they are convicted and encouraged by God's word. Oh, I want to go back and say something. Um, <clears throat> little little self-confession time. Um, not only is honey sweet and good, so are oranges. You know, oranges, a good orange, hard to beat, right? Really hard to beat a good orange. But not only are oranges good to the taste buds, oranges are good for you. You know, vitamin C and all that stuff. But I remember when I was a kid, I liked oranges. But, you know, I'd see an orange. My mom was good about buying fruit, you know. And I'd see an orange, and I'd think, oh, that looks good. I'll bet you that tastes good and it's good for me. And then I thought, ugh, but you got to peel it. And of course, in my day, we didn't have seedless oranges, you know. You got to deal with the seeds. And so many times I would say, nah, it's not worth it. I'm not going to put the effort into peeling an orange. <clears throat> and then every once in a while, I would say, yeah, I'm going to do that. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm, okay, I'm going to do it. And I'd peel the orange, and I'd take it, and I'd squeeze out the seeds, whatever, and then I'd, ah. Oh, why don't, I, why don't I do this every day? It is worth the effort. It's true about the Word of God, isn't it? Yeah? It is good. And it's good for us. And yet it takes some effort. To understand and to apply it, it takes some effort. It takes some work. But it's worth it. It's worth it. Ah, one thing that it does that is good is it convicts us and it encourages us. Look what happened as they listened to God's Word and what it actively and powerfully did in them. Verse 9, then Nehemiah, the governor, 
Ezra the priest and the teacher of the law and the Levites who were instructing the people said to them all, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. Nehemiah said, Go and enjoy choice food. Read fatty steaks, all right? And sweet drinks, and send some to those who have nothing prepared. Compassion. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The Levites calmed all the people, saying, Be still, for this is a holy day. Do not grieve. Then all the people went away to eat and drink, to send portions of food, and to celebrate with great joy, because they now understood the words that had been made known to them. And so why were they grieving? Why were they weeping? Well, as they, as they read through the law, they, they certainly saw... Uh, the curses and the blessings as God said, if you'll follow faithfully, this is what will happen. But if you disobey me, this is what's going to happen. And they saw clearly that they had disobeyed and that God, who is faithful and true, had brought down his wrath and punishments on them. And they wept and grieved over the fact that they had chosen wrongly as a people and as individuals. But Nehemiah and, and Ezra and the priests say, don't, don't, this isn't a day for grieving or sorrow or regret. The joy of the Lord is your strength. That the joy of knowing who God is and what he's done and what he's doing. Look, yes, yes, he's a righteous and just God and he punished us for our sins. But he's also keeping his promises to restore us. He's also keeping his promises uh, to do something through us. He hasn't abandoned us. He, he has not rejected us. He's, he's got something going here. So, so don't be sucked into despair because of those choices in the past and said, look to a God who is forgiving and full of grace and full of love and who has a plan and a purpose and a hope and a future for you. Because it's the joy of the Lord that's going to strengthen you for the task ahead. Reminds me of what Paul wrote in Philippians. These are famous verses, Philippians 3. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. You know, we all are prone to thinking back and getting, you know, down into, oh, regrets and sorrows. You know, it's Father's Day, okay? And I, as a father, sometimes I can think of times that I've blown it, you know, and made bad decisions and allowed selfishness and pride and irritability and who knows what to, to make bad choices in relationship to my children and I can I can think about those times and I can play them over and over in my head and I can live in regret but that's not where God wants me to live you know I am always a dad and I've got to move forward and say God help me to help me to continue to improve and and in faith and in dependence and in trust and in hope in you to continue to be a father and dad to my boys even if they're grown and married now and I can't, I can't say, well, I, it's no good, I've blown it in the past. Instead, to take new courage to be the kind of man that my boys need. <sighs> the Word of God can convict us, it needs to, but it also encourages us with a God of forgiveness and grace and mercy, a God in whom we can delight, because He is full of joy in all that he does, and he's moving all things towards a joyful end where everything is brought under the headship of Jesus Christ. Well, uh, we can hunger for God's word, we can honor God's word, we can you know, learn to understand and, uh, and um, apply God's word, 
We can be convicted and encouraged by God's word. But how do we know this was all genuine among these believers? It's because of the last thing, they joyfully obeyed God's word. People of the book joyfully obey God's word. They, they actually obeyed it. That's kind of the proof in the pudding right there, is that they obeyed it. Now, I'm not going to read the rest of the chapter to you. <clears throat> I'm just going to tell you about it. They noticed in reading the text that it was time for the festival of tabernacles or shelters or booths. <laughs> and, um, <clears throat> and they say, hey, look, look what the law says. It's, hey, it's harvest time here at the end. I mean, we, we gain, it's time for this festival. And this festival was meant to commemorate the wilderness wanderings and how God provided for his people uh, during those uh, 40 years. And so they were to go out and take branches and build uh, little shelters. And it was a communal experience, and there was feasting, and there was eating. It was, it was like a fun camp out. Actually, our church, end of June, right, a bunch of families are going to go camp out at um, Chain of Lakes. You know, I went last year, and it was uh, a lot of fun. People camping out and eating together and coming around the campfire and singing and looking into God's Word. And that's kind of what the, you know, in a very general way, uh, what the Festival of Tabernacles kind of was like. It was a festive time. And so they said, hey, this is what God's Word says. Let's do it. Let's put it into practice. And it says there that they, they celebrated it with great joy and that it hadn't been celebrated like that since the times of Joshua. Read 1,000 years before. Now, it's not that it hadn't been celebrated, just not like this. When their hearts were filled with joy and they were obeying the Lord, they were delighting in him, this was a wonderful celebration. Uh, and, so, and so they became doers of the word and not merely hearers. So you remember, Nehemiah's dream for his people, his vision, was that they would rediscover their identity and recover their purpose and here we get a glimmer of hope that it's going to happen. But only as they hunger for the voice of their God through his word, as they seek to understand it and to apply it, and as they put it into practice. We got a lot of voices going on today, lots and lots and lots of voices that are trying to define us, trying to determine us, trying to sway us. If we, as the church of Jesus Christ, are going to live out our identity and our purpose, we need to learn to listen carefully to the voice of God in his word and through his spirit. It's absolutely essential. We are people of the book, too. And so we need to emulate what is going on here. Of course, we have uh, the spirit of God in us, through faith in Jesus Christ, that helps us to understand and apply it, if we'll listen. If we're going to be people of the book, we have to get back in the book. Get back in the book. I don't know about you, I'm just going to be honest again, but the whole COVID thing blew... Okay, I'm not a super structured person by nature. So it's taken years to develop a semblance of disciplined routines and structures in my life, and then... The missile of COVID came and blew it all out of the water. Years of work blown up, okay? Bam! All these, I'm like, boom! Everything just, ah! So, um, I'm, I'm slowly starting to pull the pieces back together, you know, and trying to reestablish the patterns. 
that give life to my soul. Because I've, I've experienced it again. There's a direct relationship here. The more I'm in the book, listening to the voice of God through his uh, word, the Bible, the more courage and hope and strength I have to face the challenges of each day. But the less that I'm in the book, listening to the voice of God through his word, the less strength and energy and courage I have to face the daily challenges. I'm relearning it again. I need, I need, I need the voice of God through his word for my soul. And that means developing habits. There's lots of ways to do that. You don't have to do it by yourself. We have a Bible reading guide that you can go to that goes along with our sermon series. We have a blog with wonderful uh, writings that go along with the daily readings. But But again, we have a plethora of options all around us in our culture. There's a feast, a banquet all around us, but don't let your soul starve. you got to get back in the book. And uh, COVID maybe blew it up, but uh, that can't be an excuse forever. We, ha- we need to get back in those patterns because the joy of the Lord is our strength. So the team is going to come, and you're going to stand again and um, we're going we're gonna to close today by singing, The Joy of the Lord is Our Strength. <clears throat>